I want to turn to God's Word once again. Uh, I'm going to read a familiar passage for us now from Psalm 150. Uh, it's the very final psalm in the Psalter. Uh, and rather appropriately, the, the Psalter ends with a, a psalm filled with praise. Uh, so if you want to turn in your Bibles, you can, or the words will be on the screen here as well. That's a short psalm, Psalm 150. It says this, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praising for, praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praising Praise him with resounding symbols. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, we're going to reflect on that in a few moments' time, but first we're going to enjoy a, a special solo performance now. Uh, and this is a great chance for us to further listen and reflect on the Lord's marvelous character and praise him in our hearts because of what Jesus has done for us. This song is entitled Words of Praise. When I hear the children Is all the time. 
disappointment turns to understanding when the aged enemy becomes a trusted friend when the life I wanted gives way to much better when a bad beginning becomes a hoped for end words of praise are all that I can say when the words have died away then my heart will still be I will praise you night and day and that is all that I can say Folks, uh, I'm going to reflect a wee bit uh, and just a brief moment really, five minutes or so on, on Psalm 150. Uh, feel free to, to turn up uh, in your Bible there if, if you like. Uh, I want you to have a think for a moment. What, what is a difficult question to ask, uh, or answer, sorry, not to ask. Uh, it's an easy question for me to ask. What is your favorite song of all time? Uh, and it doesn't have to be praise song. It can be any song that you've ever heard in your entire life. Uh, I know that's a tricky one uh, to answer, but maybe one or two you have one that you can just latch on to, or maybe there's some song that's coming to your mind. I wonder what memories that song conjures up for you. Music has this incredible effect on us, doesn't it? When we hear a particular song, it can like transport us somewhere else entirely all of a sudden. It can take us back in our minds to early childhood, and actually it can even unlock memories that we long had forgotten. Music has the power to change our emotions and our feelings in any given moment. And wonderfully, the Bible, God's Word, is just jam-packed full of musical reference. And as we weed our way through the scriptures, there seems to be a, I want to say a natural instinct to respond to God and his goodness through music and song. And in many ways that makes sense. In the very beginning, Genesis 1 tells us that we have been made in God's image. We're made to understand him, to experience him and to know him. And we'll all know, of course, the Westminster Catechism, it famously asks, what is man's chief end? And it's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So the idea is that as we encounter God, as we come to learn about how great, how majestic he is, in turn then, we are moved in spirit to glorify him and to enjoy him eternally. We are made to be worshipping creatures. And Genesis 2 then describes how God made the trees that grow out of the ground. And we're told that these trees were both pleasing to the eye and good for food. So there is 
beauty in creation, pleasing to the eye, and there is functionality in creation, good for food. Psalm 19 talks of this beauty. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Is that not a wonderful picture of how beautiful our God is? He's like this original artist, capital A, and he has painted his masterpiece in the skies. He's created a place in which his people can admire him and enjoy his beauty and his creativity, a place where we can respond to his goodness in praise. And I want to say Psalm 150 here is a wonderful example of this. From start to finish, it commands, it even compels us to praise the Lord. And really quickly, These are short points, don't worry. The psalm reveals the where, the why, the how, and the who of praise. Verse 1 gives us the where. God is to be praised both in his sanctuary on earth and in his mighty heavens. And there's one commentator who puts this a lot better than I could. He says this. His name's Leon Morris. He says, The call is to God's worshipers on earth, meeting in his sanctuary, but also to his heavenly host to mingle their praises with ours. And Morris adds, earth and heaven can be utterly at one in this. God's glory fills the universe. His praise must do no less. Isn't that wonderful? That's the where of praise. Verse two gives us the why of praise. We praise the Lord because of his acts of power and his surpassing greatness. So that is to say we praise him for what he has done and for who he is by nature. For what he has done and for who he is. The acts of power in the mind of the psalmist were no doubt key moments of history, like God rescuing the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, coming through the Red Sea and leading them to the promised land. But for us, us on this side of Christ's death and resurrection, a different story comes to mind, of course, because we know that the most crucial act of power was God rescuing us from slavery to sin through Jesus, who came through the cross and the grave so that he could lead us to eternal life. This is the why that we praise the Lord. Verses three to five then describe the how of praise. We praise the Lord with instruments and with music, and we've done that tonight so beautifully. Again, to the mind of the psalmist and these ancient Israelite readers, the trumpet may have sparked a memory of God-given liberty because it was blasted to signal the start of the Jubilee year in Leviticus 25. And the timbrel and dance, well, they were used by Miriam, Moses' sister, to lead the people in praise in Exodus chapter 15, shortly after their rescue from Egypt. But ultimately, folks, as we read through this list of instruments here, 
we see that whether they are solemn or joyous, whether they are percussive or melodic, they're all rallied together to the praise of our great God. Verse 6 then describes finally the who of praise. Who is it that should be giving the Lord all of this praise? Well, in a word, everything, everything, everything that has breath should exist to praise the Lord. The psalmist has moved from the instrumental to the vocal and is calling us, in fact, he's calling everyone and everything to praise the name of the Lord. Keith and Kirsten Getty, two very familiar names to us, they have a, a book called Sing. Uh, I think they wrote it about 2017. They explain how the church should always be joyfully singing. And they use 1 Peter chapter 2 uh, a little bit to, to kind of put this point across. Uh, and that's where Peter describes the church as a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession designed to declare the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Folks, what better way to declare it than to sing, to sing it aloud Paul encourages the Ephesian believers in chapter 5. He says, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. He says, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. The Bible is clear. Singing and using music to praise the Lord says something of how we love the Lord. This is how we declare to God that we love him. What an awful feeling if we're in love with someone in this world and we feel like we can't declare it. It feels only in part then, but we can declare our love to the Lord as we sing to him. And it also then declares to the world around us that God is good that we're thankful to him for all that he has done for us through Christ. And just one final thought, in a sense then, as we meet on the Lord's day as a company of God's people, we partake then in this worship that's happening in the highest heavens. It's an amazing thought. And it's just like that scene we read at the start of our service from Revelation chapter five. But who is the focal point? of that praise in Revelation 5. Where is all that praise directed? It's all for Jesus, isn't it? It's all for Christ. He alone is worthy. He alone is lifted to the highest possible place. He alone possesses the name above every other name. He alone is the one to whom every single knee will bow. Why? Because he is the sacrificial lamb who was slain for the sin of the world. Folks, hear that. He was slain for you and for me. He was slain because of you and me. 
And so for all eternity, he will receive our undying praise. Revelation 5 paints an incredible picture of what lies ahead for those of us who put our trust in Jesus. But let's not forget that even now, even now in this wicked, sinful place, even now with our own sin-filled hearts, we're invited to praise the Lord. Psalm 95 says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Amen.